Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashams, now back in South Africa, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we focus on the crisis in Nigerian football. For the third time in five years, Nigeria will miss out on the Africa Cup of Nations finals, and many angry fans are blaming football leaders. There are serious problems at the Nigeria Football Federation with two rival leaderships. We ask how important it is to have good leadership and good administration to achieve success in football. Super Eagles midfielder Ogeni Anazi tells us how frustrating it is. I cannot play in Super Eagles for the rest of my life. I have a short period of time to play. But at that short period of time, I want to make an impact in this country. And we get the views of former head of the Nigeria Football Federation, Anthony Kojo-Williams. What I see is, run the game professionally. You've got to do it properly. You have to be very professional in your approach to things. And that is what is lacking. Also the latest from the English Premier League. That's coming up later, but let's start with the CAF Champions League. This past week, games were played midweek for the first time to help some countries that had complained of fixture congestion caused by playing at the weekends. These were second round, second leg games to decide who goes through to the group stage. And well, many of us thought that TP Mazembe of DR Congo would go all the way, but the defending champions have been knocked out 3-1 by Widad Kassel. Blanca of Morocco. There will be a Congolese team in the group stage though as AS Vita Club beat Mamelodi Sundowns, the South African giants on away goals in a hard-fought encounter. The eight-time champions Alathli of Egypt beat Young Africans of Tanzania 3-2 to go through. We heard from Young Africans a few weeks ago on the show. Zamalek of Egypt also qualified. Nigeria's Enyimba squeezed through beating Etoile du Sahel of Tunisia on penalties after it ended 3-3 on aggregate. Asik Mimosas are through. There's a Zambian side in the group stage this year, as Zesco United emphatically beat Stad Malien of Mali by five goals to two. And the 2014 champions Anton Setif of Algeria beat Almeric on away goals. So it's a good-looking lineup for the group stage of the CAF Champions League, and we'll be following it here on Planet Sport Football Africa. Now, the teams that have qualified for the 2016 Olympics know who they will be playing as the draw has been made. Africa won men's football Olympic gold in 1996 with Nigeria and in 2000 with Cameroon. The men's competition is for under-23s and the men's draw sees South Africa in Group A along with Brazil, Iraq and Denmark. Nigeria are in Group B with Sweden, Colombia and Japan. No African team in Group C where it's Fiji, Korea, Mexico and Germany. And in Group D, Algeria are drawn up against Portugal, Honduras and Argentina. So Solomon, what do you make of this draw? Steve, uh, this draw is uh, very, very competitive for me uh, because I believe uh, if you look at each group, the four groups that we have, there's no team there. Uh, from any continent uh, that is not there based on merit. So I don't think any of the teams in any of the groups should be taken for granted by the African teams. But in the men's group, you know, and also the women's group, one big thing is South Africa drawing Brazil in both the men and the women's uh, competition. South Africa there in Group A with uh, Brazil, Iraq and Denmark. 
Brazil, obviously, is going to be uh, not an easy uh, game for South Africa. That is the game that would decide, for me, who goes into the next uh, stage. Nigeria, they are back again. Last time around in London 2012, Nigeria couldn't make it. But in 2008, in Beijing, China, uh, for the Olympic Games, Nigeria got all the way to the final. And they played against Argentina, losing that game with uh, Messi uh, playing in that game also. But now again, Sweden, Colombia, Japan, Nigeria having a very, very good chance. And uh, there is also another African team in Group D, Steve, which is Algeria. And Algeria, for me, that is the rising star of African football. We watched Algeria during the World Cup in 2014 in Brazil. We've seen a lot of Algerian players playing well across uh, the European leagues. We've seen how well the Algerian uh, football clubs are doing around the African uh, competitions. And it says a lot about you know, the rise and rise of uh, Algerian football. And I do believe that they would do well in as much as there's uh, Portugal and Argentina there, which I feel is going to give them a run for their money. In all in all, I think it's going to be a great experience for, for African teams. And we hope to have three of them going into the next round. And who knows what would happen next? be interesting to see what Algeria can do there. The men's is for the under-23 teams. Uh, for the women's, it's a senior teams. As you say there, South Africa, difficult, difficult draw with Brazil, the hosts in a Group E. There's China and Sweden as well. And uh, for Zimbabwe, well, we're not expecting too much here after we saw the draw. Germany, Australia and Canada. So only once has an African team got out of the group stage at the uh, women's uh, football uh, tournament at the Olympics. That was Nigeria. It's going to be very difficult, I think, this time for Zimbabwe and South Africa. Yes, it's going to be extremely difficult, uh, you know, for both teams uh, to go in and, and try to see how they could get into the next round. Good thing for Zimbabwe and South Africa, because we need to see a lot of African countries uh, that are new to this sort of competition. And it's great to see Zimbabwe coming through. South Africa, they always prepare very well, playing great friendly games and building up and training camps. And they have a couple of uh, players in Europe and in the US. Uh, and, and I feel South Africa would go in there and, and really try to make a statement. But in this group with Brazil, China and Sweden is really going to be uh, very difficult for them. But a great opportunity to pick a lot of experience against great quality side. Zimbabwe, wow. What do I say about uh, Zimbabwe? It's just great to see Zimbabwe getting into this round for the first time in the history of women's football in Zimbabwe. Yeah, I think it'll be an experience to really enjoy. The Olympics, by the way, are in August in Rio. This is Planet Sport Football Africa. And now we focus on one of Africa's football giants, Nigeria, who are currently in a football crisis. For the third time in five years, Nigeria will miss out on the Africa Cup of Nations finals after that recent defeat to Egypt, which left fans disappointed and angry. Nigeria are three-time African champions. Uh, that was in 1980, 94 and 2013. And they've reached the second round of the FIFA World Cup on three occasions. Now, of late, they've had three national team coaches in the space of 17 months. That's Stephen Keshi, Sunday Olise and now Samson Siasia. There are serious problems at the Nigeria Football Federation with two rival leaderships. One is headed by Amadou Pinnock, who's been in charge, but a regional high court ruled that Pinnock should be fired and that Chris Giwa should be installed as the Nigeria Football Federation's president. Uh, then, though, FIFA issued a warning to Nigeria to reinstate Amadou Pinnock. 
So this crisis continues in Nigeria. Meanwhile, it's affecting the players and the performance of the national team. A Nigeria midfielder Ogeni Onazi is one of the rising stars in a team that won the Nations Cup in 2013 and got to the second round at the World Cup in Brazil the following year. Onazi, who plays for Lazio in Italy, has had the frustration of missing the 2017 Nations Cup, along with the rest of the players, and he wants everyone to unite to get the team back on track. Onazi spoke to Oluwashina Okaleji. It is so sad, I know, definitely. If you want to go forward, you have to go one step backward before you go forward. It's so unfortunate that so many people who are involved in this uh, in the Super Eagles, they do their personal interests. They don't do the interests of the nation. And this is so sad. People don't get to know about this. And uh, uh, I just want to be a player that wants to give 110% for this country and make sure I serve this country as much as I can because I cannot play in Super Eagles for the rest of my life. I have a short period of time to play. But at that short period of time, I want to make an impact in this country. And so whenever the country calls me to come, and I'll always be available to come and play in this country. Also, uh, for the other players, I don't know what is their intention, but this is the most important thing. The coaches we need in this uh, national team, the players and the mentality. I believe that the management are trying to do their best yeah, to make sure they put things in order. And I think this one is going to be a very, very good time for us to really settle down because we have gone really, really back. I see sometimes you try to appeal to fans on Twitter, you try to talk to them, to beg them. Do you understand their anger, though? Do you understand why they sometimes are critical and they just want to insult everybody? Do you understand that? Yeah, I understand from their own view because I know anytime we play a game and we win, I know how much joy it brings to some families and I know how much people are okay. Even when you have stress time in your office, when you come, you watch the survivors, they win, at least you'll be relieved. I know all those things. And so many people are so passionate about this football and survivors. So I put myself in the shoe, in their shoes. And if we begin to lose games, we don't qualify for tournament and all that, I know how much damage is going to cause. Forgetting about the fact that when they have problems in their working place and then they come back again, survivors didn't win or didn't qualify, it's double problem. So I try to do my best to make sure that I put them in a state of mind and they should just continue supporting us and uh, we hope that things are going to get better because even the Egyptians, they didn't go for the Nations Cup for some quite some time now and now they are back. And so this is a very good step for us. We still have the World Cup to go and uh, I believe we'll take our, our turn now. That's Nigeria midfielder Ogeni Onazi expressing how frustrating the team's failures are. You really would feel for him there, wouldn't you, Solomon? Yes, I totally feel for him there, uh, Steve. Onazi is one of those uh, young players who came through at a very early age of 21 and making a great impact in the Super Eagles team with uh, coach Stephen Keshi that won the Africa Cup of Nations in South Africa. And uh, to miss the next two Africa Cup of Nations, definitely, as a player... You know, it would affect your morale and it will affect also your reputation, the pedigree that you're trying to build. I really feel sad for the players, Steve, uh, because a lot of players depend on their international involvement with their national team for them to be able to establish credibility as players, not just playing for their club sides in Europe or across the continent. But how do you get that opportunity? And uh, this is uh, entirely not the fault of the players. This is entirely the fault of the Nigerian football 
Football Federation, the NFF, because Nigerian football right now is in a total mess. You know, like Onazi rightly mentioned, you know, is that is sad, you know, seeing uh, leaders who come into Nigerian football and they have their own interest and they have their own agenda and the agenda is not for the uh, football, for the population, for football, but it's a very selfish agenda. And, and I, I totally agree with that. And, and I do hope that Nigeria, after meeting, missing two uh, consecutive Africa Cup of Nations, really put their house in order. But there's no way Nigeria would put their house in order if they don't put the leadership uh, problem and crisis in order. The problem of Nigerian football, for me, is not about the player. It's not about the coach. It's about the administration and the leadership. Well, we've also spoken to the former head of Nigeria's Football Federation, Anthony Kojo-Williams, who agrees with your sentiments there, Solomon. He says things must change at the administrative level before the country can recover from their latest failure to qualify for the Nations Cup. Williams was removed from his position 17 years ago after he tried to implement reforms in Nigerian football. And he says it's now important for administrators to run football professionally and to put structures in place to achieve success on the field. What I see is run the game professionally. You've got to do it properly. You have to be very professional in your approach to things. And that is what is lacking in our football administration. No professionalism. Uh, no commitment. It has to be in you. It's a beautiful game. You have to love it. It's not about just playing to the gallery, which is what one of the major problems we have. Yeah, We play to the gallery. Do you think the current um, administrators in Nigerian football have what it takes to turn things around for Nigerian football? Well, honestly speaking, it's not for me to run anybody down. But the situation speaks for itself. It's what has been there for years and what we have celebrated We've been celebrating mediocrity for years. So it's stuck to us. We're stuck with it. So honestly speaking, I'm not here to criticize anyone, but it's time for us to look forward and say, okay, so where do we go from here? Let's pick it up from where we are and develop it. That's it. I'm not, uh, I'm not going to start criticizing anyone. That's the former head of Nigeria's Football Federation, Anthony Kojo-Williams, speaking to Oluwashina Okaleji. And uh, I think some uh, very good points he makes there, Solomon. Totally, Steve. Uh, great points there. You know, when the leadership is in crisis, the whole body becomes uh, very redundant and not really giving its best. You know, and I feel there's a lot of restructuring leadership-wise that needs to be done. There needs to be, uh, you know, a total approach with one goal in mind, and the, uh, the goal is for the growth of Nigerian football. So that's a good question as to what a leader should do and what a leader should be like. Uh, we heard from uh, Olatunde Adeleka. He's a Nigerian living in the Gambia. He sent us a WhatsApp on this and he says, Corruption, greediness and selfishness is killing Nigerian football and the entire sports of that country gradually affecting the talents of the youths of the country. And the problem is that uh, they don't have the fear of God and that they don't realize that everything they do here is going to be accounted for one day. Olotunde continues saying, I think a good leader should serve whoever they are leading. A good example is my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But for them, not so. You see them fighting tooth and nail for the posts day and night to get there by all means into power in football and sporting positions. That's a big point there as to how a leader is supposed to behave, Solomon. Whenever you have corruption, whenever you have greediness and selfishness, obviously it exposes lack of leadership. And we've seen that 
how that has affected Nigerian football not qualifying for the Africa Cup of Nations two times in a row. So who should be the leader? Who should the leader be? When you look at the life of Jesus, you know, a lot of books have been written, a lot of movies have been made around his life saying he's the greatest leader that ever lived. He operates with integrity as a leader. He makes sure there is no sense of corruption as a leader, greediness and selfishness. And it's the same thing with us. You know, maybe you're a leader uh, in your home as a husband. Maybe you're a leader, um, you know, as a nurse in the hospital or in school as a teacher. Do you show this sort of leadership, the Jesus sort of leadership, or do you show a leadership that is full of corruption, greediness, and selfishness? Because that's the only way, and not just Nigerian football, but African football and African leadership would continue to grow. So a great example there and great thought from the listener. You know, that is very important. We saw the way Jesus came and he died on the cross and he laid down his life for our sake just so we would be able to have a lot of benefits. And and for you to put down your life and say, look, I'm ready to die for a cause. I don't think any man is is, is, is really easy for any man to do that. So Jesus is, is, is that perfect example, not just a leader that will lay down his life, but, but a servant leader, a leader that is ready to serve other people, a leader that is ready to sacrifice for other people. That's the kind of leadership that we see through the life of Jesus. Well, that does raise questions as to how leaders should conduct themselves. You can tell us what you think on Facebook and on WhatsApp. How important is it to have good leadership in football? Nigeria missing out on the Africa Cup of Nations finals again, and many angry fans are blaming football leaders. What do you think? How important is it to have good leadership in football? Send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. We'll go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And exciting news about our new app. If you miss the show, we have technology now to enable you to listen anytime on our app. To download it, go to the Play Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. You can download it and then you can listen to the show there. In fact, there are over 130 episodes of the program there on the app, available on demand. So to download, go to the Play Store, enter Planet Sport Football Africa, and you can listen to the show anytime. Note that you will incur airtime charges if you're not connected to a wireless network. So to download, go to the Play Store, enter Planet Sport Football Africa. You can also listen to the show on our website, planetsportfootballafrica.com, and you can follow us on Twitter, the handle at planetsportfa. Still to come, a look at the English Premier League title race. But next, we turn to your comments on Facebook and on WhatsApp. Last week, we discussed the issue of players' salaries. Cristiano Ronaldo earns $440,000 a week. Lionel Messi, $425,000 a week. And Yaya Toure, the best-paid African player, on $360,000 a week. So we asked, is it fair for players in Europe to get huge salaries when many players in Africa earn less than $1,000 a month? Do players like Ronaldo, Messi and Toure deserve it? And should something be done to ensure that players in Africa are rewarded more highly for their talents? 
Well, we had another very big response to this question, and we'll try to get through as many of your comments as possible. On Facebook, Lamin Yusufa Kale in the Gambia says, "I'm not trying to be down to us Africans, but Ronaldo deserves way more than what he's earning currently because he is beyond imagination. If Africans want to be paid like him, they should follow in his footsteps." Aik Obi also in the Gambia agrees. He says players like Ronaldo, Messi, and many others bring so much to the game apart from their good football. He says, for example, when you consider the financial worth of the accessories sold on their names by their various clubs and also the TV rights that are so high because of these special individuals, therefore, it's my strong belief that they are worth it and deserve every cent that they are paid. Gemo is a Cameroonian living in South Korea. He says Messi and Ronaldo deserve high salaries because they have consistently proven to be the best in the game. Moreover, the standard of European leagues is very high, with big TV deals and worldwide recognition. However, in Africa, due to lack of sponsorship and poor development, players earn less, and hopefully someday it will all change. However, Mamadou Ba in the Gambia takes a different view. He says their wages are crazy, and it's too much for an individual to earn. One week's earnings of Ronaldo can build many hospitals and clinics in Africa. It's not fair. Alfred Mdimba in Malawi agrees. He says that's unfair, really unfair. I suggest that the stakeholders of African football do something to reward our players better. Babu in the Gambia says we have so many talented footballers in Africa, and their salaries should be high enough. But I don't think African clubs can afford that. Kaboy says here in the Gambia we don't have many companies that can be sponsors. Just a few companies do sponsor clubs. The Gambia is a small country and not rich, so we don't have much money to pay players an attractive salary. Here, I don't think it's more than two thousand dalasi a month.、Uh, that's about fifty dollars. Donald from Cameroon has a perspective on player salaries there. He says here in Cameroon, it's just the worst, especially in the northwest region where I'm living. The highest a player can earn is a hundred thousand CFA francs.、Uh, that's about a hundred and seventy-five dollars. Amalaya Oyake is a player's agent based in the USA. He says the economics of the big leagues allow it, and for that reason, such salaries are sustainable there. Interestingly, many African leagues do pay better than European leagues. Morocco, Sudan, Tunisia, Egypt, South Africa, and a few others have better wage structures than many Scandinavian teams. Getting paid on time is an issue that often crops up, but on paper, yes, the wages are higher and the taxes are less. The rest of Africa must pursue a sound sustainability model, says Amalai. Abdurrahman Jallo says African clubs should put in more efforts to increase the earnings of African players through initiatives like sponsorship and TV rights. Silas Ngong in Cameroon believes there is money in African football, but that it's not always distributed to the players. Silas says African players are not well paid because of a bad system. The money is there for most of the clubs, but the presidents of these clubs are very crafty and indifferent to the plight of the players. Many presidents use the players as tools to fill their pockets. Those the views of Silas. Alan M J Campbell in Sierra Leone thinks African clubs should do more to generate income. That's the biggest problem in African football, he says. They don't think about ways of making money out of other avenues apart from selling match tickets and selling players to other clubs. The limited scope of attracting revenue is a big issue. 
Well, thanks so much for all of those comments and all of those insights from different countries around Africa. Always great to hear from you. Uh, this week, tell us on Facebook and WhatsApp uh, how important is it to have good leadership in football. We've been talking about the crisis in Nigerian football, and many are blaming the leadership there. So, how important is it to have good leadership and good administration to achieve success in football? Send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. We'll go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, let's turn to the English Premier League now. I'm joined by Stuart Weir from the UK. Leicester City still on top of the table, but looking anxiously over their shoulders now, as their lead's been cut to five points by Tottenham. Leicester play Swansea on Sunday, and Tottenham take on West Brom on Monday. I would have to say that I thought Tottenham looked really impressive going to Stoke. A difficult away game, scoring four goals, and Leicester in the last couple of games have looked nervous. Leicester now need to win three of the last four, assuming that Tottenham win all theirs, but it's really going to be a tense end to the season, I think. Well, we had midweek games as well as action last weekend, and some Africans among the goal scorers last weekend, Stuart. Yes, well, Crystal Palace got an excellent draw at Arsenal with Yannick Bolassi scoring. And Southampton similarly drew at Everton with Sadio Mane scoring. And, you know, he really has been one of the signings over the last two or three years. Uh, Mane scoring lots of goals, the Senegalese player for uh, Southampton. So at the bottom, Aston Villa are relegated and Newcastle fighting hard to survive. Newcastle had an excellent period because they beat Swansea 3-0. Interestingly, Rafa Benitez made some changes and brought in a couple of his African players. So he, he had Mbemba from DR Congo, Chioti, Cote d'Ivoire and Papasisi Senegal all played in the game over Swansea. And then and Newcastle drew it home to Manchester City, but Sergio Aguero's goal for Manchester City was clearly offside and the linesman missed it. And, you know, with the amount of money available in the Premier League, losing your Premier League status, which Newcastle could do over that bad decision, can cost, they say, something in the region of $100 million in the year. And what else has caught your eye in the Premier League this week, Stuart? Well, Steve, let's spare a thought for Lewis Kinsella, who is an Aston Villa player. Now, Lewis is out on loan to Kidderminster, who are uh, in the fifth tier of English football. And uh, unfortunately, Kidderminster also get relegated on Saturday. So poor old Lewis found himself getting relegated twice on the same day. Um, Harry Kane of Tottenham has scored 24 goals in the Premier League. Isn't that a great achievement? Particularly when you realise that Aston Villa, between them, have scored 23 goals. So Kane has scored more than the entire Aston Villa team. Hmm. And another thing that caught my eye was that Spurs have had 42 goals scored by English players, whereas Stoke have not had one goal in the Premier League from an English player. They have a Dutch, Irish, French, Austrian, Spanish, Senegalese, Swiss, but not an English player in sight. Let's just applaud Shea Given who played in goal for Stoke this week. This was his first game for Stoke, and he's three weeks short of his 40th birthday. 
But amazingly, he's not the oldest goalkeeper to get a debut for a new Premier League club because Brad Friedel was 40 when he played his first game in goal for Spurs and Neville Southall was 41 when he played a few years back for Bradford City in the Premier League. So, Steve, there may even be hope for you yet. (laughs) So I could set a record there. And the semi-finals of the UEFA Champions League coming up on Tuesday and Wednesday. And I suppose the big news is that Barcelona, with Neymar, Messi and Suarez, are out, defeated by Atletico. And the two semi-finals will be Atletico Madrid against Bayern Munich and Man City against Real Madrid. Now, there are not many African players around there, but Atletico have Thomas Partey from Ghana, uh, who played in both legs of the quarterfinal when they beat Barcelona. And Bayern have Meji Benatia from Morocco, who's made four Champions League appearances this year. Now, really interesting thing happened in the quarterfinal when Yaya Torre was fit but was not chosen to play in the second leg, with the manager choosing to go with Fernando and Fernandinho, the Brazilian midfield pair, in his place. So very unusual for Yaya Torre not to make the starting lineup. And also just want to mention that Serge Aurier of Cote d'Ivoire played in both legs for Paris Saint-Germain against Manchester City. Now, you may recall that we talked previously about how he had a fallout with his coach, Laurent Blanc, and offended Laurent Blanc, and it was thought that he'd never play for Paris Saint-Germain again. But good to see that somehow reconciliation has been achieved, and he played in those two games. Sure, so Serge Aurier back in favour at Paris Saint-Germain. We look forward to those semi-finals on Tuesday and on Wednesday. Well, that's it for this week's show, but on Facebook and WhatsApp, tell us how important do you think it is to have good leadership in football? We talked about the crisis in Nigerian football. How important is it to have good leadership and good administration to achieve success? Send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Or go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. From me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Solomon Shams in South Africa, and from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening, and Planet Sport Football Africa is a Passion for Sport production.